Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to Formula for Success. I'm David Coulthard and alongside me, well, actually, not alongside me because he's in London and I'm in Monaco, is Eddie Jordan and that's about as close as I want to be to you. David, I want to be able to touch you, which I can't do at the moment because you've been absolutely avoiding us for the last three, four weeks and I'm not sure it's the real DC that we're looking at here. Well, look, I've been working for a living. It's all right for you, you no, know. Well, has, that's not quite true. You, you were in Qatar and then you vanished to Sharm El Sheikh for a little week-long holiday with the, the girlfriend. And I think we did a podcast in, adjacent to a toilet somewhere in London uh, with Damon <laughs> Hill. And um, then we followed that up that you've gone to a couple of Grand Prix in the meantime. While we've been grafting here and trying to feed the dogs and stay, stay warm. Well, yeah, I just say for the record, Sharm El Sheikh was work. I just happened to have a couple of extra days, so I did enjoy that. But anyway, look, we are very lucky. We're very lucky because sitting alongside you in London is a former driver who wow. is not only a very successful driver for you, um, a very uh, lucrative driver for you, because I believe you were also uh, his manager at a certain point. It's none other then former Grand Prix driver, Martin Woo-hoo! Donnelly. Hi, guys. Glad yeah. to be here. Thank you very much. Oh, hey. Yes, and EJ doesn't realize, but I made him. That's, he yeah. used my success. That's not true. I made him. new sponsors. He was down and out. He was living in the backwash in the middle of uh, Belfast in troubled times. And um, uh, like us all, we've moved on from there. And Belfast is a new kind of new place. It's absolutely wonderful at the moment. And back, look at you. You're not too bad either. Look at you. You survived. You should be dead, by the way. I should be dead. But you wouldn't let me go because I owed you money. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had you on a drip feed. He said, is he going to stay alive this week? Because he hasn't paid me the last check. <laughs> Okay, so it is Martin Donnelly. And um, DC, if you don't mind, I'll go back a little bit in folklore because I knew the Donnelly family. I knew how they were so keen on motor racing. Um, and uh, Martin, when he was 18, 19, came to drive our Formula 3 car at Silverson. That was the first time that you drove our car. But I'd come across you before that. You'd been in a Crosley from 17, Crosley 25. That was a fantastic car. I used car. to be one of your fans about the age of 11 and 12. Oh, really? Could you repeat and say that again? I was very confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, you've uh, never recovered. He had this massive big sideburns and a beard and a head full of uh, hair back oh, yeah. then. And um, he drove a former Atlantic car very quickly and took it to the lads, your McGarrity's and your Gary Gibson's and whoever Pollocks, else. The Pollocks, Jay Pollock yeah, and, and his brother. And, uh, I don't know how you did it, but... Uh, Do you think I was cheating? Uh, Fifth Amendment. <laughs> um, they were great days. And we often say, I mean, DC, we don't want to reminisce too much, but... 
Um, Ireland was, you know, it was it was buzzing at the time because um, we were having to row our own canoe. We were no longer being looked after by the UK. But just to go to Kirkiston and race up north on a Saturday and then come back and race in Mondello on the Sunday, I mean, they were classic days. Great times. And I would just like to say that, you know, I'm going to do a bit of fun. I've got a documentary right called Life on the Edge on Sky F1. And it touches on the political side of Northern Ireland, the Troubles. And I have to say, in all honesty, there was never, ever any animosity between drivers from down south, the Catholics and the Protestants. Maybe at Phoenix Park when the, the marquee was done for scrutineering and then the Sunday it became the church and the Protestant would stand at the back and haggle the priests and people in the market. I have to say, and I, I, I take some credit or I take the abuse, whichever way you want to say it, Phoenix Park had a bit of a history of uh, danger to it and people got hurt there. So we decided that the scrutineering should become the church and everyone go and pray collectively. And I thought that was a really nice thing. And I still think it was a nice thing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, um, and everybody went, and that was amazing. But the point I'm trying to make is there was never any animosity. And when I was doing my documentary last year, we went back to Ireland, to Kirkuson, and I drove my original Crossley 32F. And then we went down the Falls Road, uh, which very much to people listening was very much a sectarian uh, Catholic side of the city and it was a divide called the Peace Divide, the Peace Wall to the other side, which was the Shankar Road, which very much was present uh, oriented. I was shocked and horrified to see that every day that the Peace Divide is active. It's closed at 10 o'clock at night and at 6 o'clock in the morning. Even still? Even still. Well, I never, and if we have this so-called peace, why are we the only city in Western Europe or the world has this act of peace divide. Anyway, let's move on from that because yes, I want to talk sad. to you. It's a very sad subject. Uh, anyway, we will talk about your, your documentary because I think uh, it's got four major dominations for awards at the moment. So we'll come no. back to that, if you don't mind, because wins. I think... It's not nominated. Wins. Wins. Oh, wins. my God. Yes, thank you. Not nominations. No, we wins. were nominated, then we won it. Well, DC is obviously very keen to talk about that at the end because <laughs> it's always what at the end of the show people really take notice and maybe write it down. So maybe you'll have a chance to do that. Um, anyway, you, you arrive in England... Um, you come and you uh, wind up paying me some money to do a Formula 3 race. Uh, that was, you were 19. You were very young. I won the Phoenix Park races in 93 and the prize drive for that was an experience weekend with Eddie Jordan Racing. Oh my God. What kind of an experience was it? Uh, well, it was a pleasant one there because we stayed in your house. I stayed in your house at Silverstone with Martin Brundle and his lovely wife Liz at the time. You were hosting everybody that weekend. But that was the kind of way we had ran the team, it was, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. We had a party every nice. night and, yeah, yeah. and everyone was welcome to stay. I'm not sure we had beds for them. But I didn't party because I'd just come from boarding school and girls and drink were all like bad things. You know, the priest tell you those things. Well, obviously, you didn't take much experience from your dad then because your dad liked to drink and he liked to uh, party. Yeah, see, it was no, that, that didn't make him a bad guy. But yeah, so we did the race at the year weekends. We qualified well, I think, by fifth or sixth. And just in front of me was um, Ayrton. And then your man, I think, Martino, was on the pole. I think... Uh, um, you must have one of those. Uh, I better say who Martino is. Uh, Martin, Martin Brundle. Martin I think Brundle. one of those those, those uh, special air boxes on the car. And um, we were cheating, of course. Well, well again, Fifth Amendment. <laughs> and um, it was good, a good experience, a good learning experience. And you put that in your pocket, and you move forward with, it, with that in life. So when I got into F3 with Damon and Selnet, you put those things to, to good use. 
Yeah. Things rolled on quickly after that. And then you came back to the Jordan Fold. At that stage, had I sold you on to Japan or that came later? I think that came later when you realised I was fleecing you. Yeah, I didn't like that because <laughs> I thought I was making money from you, no. but it turned out to be the other way around. The thing was, you came, it was the last... Uh, I've been back in S3 now for the third year and I was quick in the morbid test at Donington and they gave the drive to some guy called John Alessi and Vogter Wheeler in the Onyx Marches. And thankfully the, the cars then were quick because he didn't rent our queue on the market with a new with his new chassis. And uh, you came to to Snerton looking to replace Thomas Danielson in, in the drive. And you came to me, Marty, Marty, oh, I need 30 grand. And I said, EJ, not a problem, I'm going to get a few. But my good fun, friend uh, and sponsor and mentor, Frank Nolan, died unfortunately at the age of 42 with a massive heart attack. But nobody knew that he died without making a will. I knew it, but you didn't know it. So I said, that won't be a problem, I'll get you the money, I'll go to Rio, his wife, and uh, she'll pick up the tab. So I think within two weeks was the first race at Brands Hatch, yep. which is well documented with our uh, good friend uh, Johnny, the little jo- lad. Johnny Herbert. Yeah, the, the, we call him the little fella. Uh, of, not because of stature, because of his size. And um, great again for, for, for the team. We, we qualified front row. I think Johnny was on pole with the camel car. The works ran out with all the uh, developments, special floors and side pods. I didn't get that treatment that weekend. Of course not. No, of course not. No, that cost extra, didn't it? Well, you should have won the race. <laughs> I won the race. But again, I didn't, if you remember, open the champagne because nobody knew how bad... Johnny Jackson was, and I didn't open it. And then the next day, uh, we went to the Samaritan Hospital about the sit cup. I went to see him, walked in, and yeah, I was seeing him looking better. And we had a chat for about an hour. He remembers nothing of it, nothing at all. And obviously, then went on to go to, to Austria to her rehabilitation with a guy called Tony Mathis, I think it was. And then I won the race, but you know, fortuitously to some extent. And then the next weekend was uh, Birmingham Street Race back to back. And I say second on that one. So all of a sudden, new driver, first and second. You thought, Jace, is this guy's better than I thought he was? Wasn't just as good looks. <laughs> and um, then oh. you started to say, Marty, where's the money? I got to my pockets. I got kids to feed and educate and you're fleecing me. Next thing I know, I was on a plane to Japan. I sent you to Japan to you make did. some money for me. And that's, I think we did that. Yeah, but... But then you did a deal that were by myself and Alessi, Jean, were going out there every other weekend for more money. Yeah, but I had Kenny Atchison, I had you, and well, I you'd had... have the grid, half the grid, half the grid. Yeah. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I'm looking at the grid, and I'm saying I'm on 10, 15 percent of everybody's earnings yeah. here. This is unbelievable. And you're like a bookie. Has he paid me? Has he paid me? <laughs> Shh, DC won't want to hear this because this is alien. He's never ever driven for me. He's never had to pay me a penny. Don't you think he missed out a lot in life? Not don't really. You? Trust me, DC. <laughs> You got off light. <laughs> I, I I don't doubt that, guys. I'm I'm just you know I've learned enough in life to not get in in the way of a conversation between two Irishmen. He was coining it at this stage. DC, you would have had a laugh, but anyway, Narita, I did twenty round trips to Japan to see you guys racing that year. I nearly physically killed me because we had to go through Anchorage um, because the flight it was a ball ache, wasn't it? It was a shocker. Those were the cheap flights. Yeah, but I always went that way. Anyway, please, next question. DC, will you ask this man something and give me a chance to have a break here? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I want to move things along if I can, because look, all the backstory, Martin, of how, how you made your way to Formula One is, of course, fantastic. Um, but uh, I, I want to very quickly bring it up to you making your debut in, in 89 and and uh, your experience with that, you know, coming to Formula One, that's the, the dream of dream of us all. So uh, talk us through when you uh, arrived mid-season. Well, I have to say, you know, I had a great um, success in 88 and 3000, those last, five, those last five races, two wins, two seconds of pole and DNF. And that led me on to EJ then paying me for uh, 89. Really? Quite a, quite a large sum of money, 50K. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're a very generous man back then, or just desperate for me. And, um, but I thought you were good. But you, well, you always could spot talent. <laughs> um, and then I was teammate to John John Leslie. We became good friends then. And, you know, you, you just, you're riding the wave. You know, there's, there's no, I never, ever in motorsport inspired to be a professional driver or to be in British F3 because back home in Ireland those were the, the guys on the on the continent but with success uh, in F3 and 3000 you know you, you're, you're swept along and through Eddie's good uh, contacts and resolve and you know he got myself signed he had um, Alessi said I don't think you ever got yeah, Herbert on a contract did you? Well he was managed by believe it or not uh, Anne um, who's Mark Webber's? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, she she was brilliant, actually. Mm-hmm. I have to say, she's the best person I've ever had to work with as a manager. We've said that many times on this show. And um, but I, I I looked after. There was part of it that she would allow me to do it. So there was a little bit of a split somewhere along the line. So Johnny Herbert was very important at, mm-hmm. for Jordan at that time. Uh, winning the Formula Three Championship was a huge boost in '87. You came along, but that was for me. I've often said that the happiest and the most pleasant time, either the Jordan family. Marie, the kids, everyone involved. The late 80s was unbelievable and you were very much part of that. Thank you. I'm glad to be there. But do you remember when, I, when you came to my hotel room in Mackay, 1986, wanting me to drive for you in 87 for free? And I asked you the question... No surprise there. Well, I don't know, she was a very generous man. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I said to him, said, what engines are you going to use for 87? And you said, we're using Space. And I remember two years before that, there was a team in the UK used to speech engines and the fuel octane in England is lower than Germany. And I said no to you. I said, I'm not going to do that. I went back to Swallow Racing with Tim Clues and, and uh, you got the young fellow in the car, Herbert, and he came out and kicked our asses. So what do I know? Well, there you go. Yeah. But then you got wise and you came back. I haven't had enough, have I? <laughs> no, you came back to yeah. draw. No, anyway, I think DC wants to move this on to Formula One. Okay. I'm much more interested to keep it in 3000. But actually, he's going to tell you a little story because, David, you would love this. At, at certain times, there was a little bit of 
kerfuffle. And only last week uh, I bumped into a guy. If people out there remember the railway children, he was the man in the railway children. His name was Chris Whitty. And Chris was also a writer for Autosport at the time. Uh, and he came to me with the possibility of a deal, which was Q8 Petroleum. And... Um, Oh, it was so embarrassing, wasn't it? I was absolutely, I was never so nervous at a race in my life, but it had nothing to do with the race. DC, on one side of the car, on one side pod was Q8, and we had the ambassador from Q8 on the outside of the circuit in Silverstone in the tower, in the hospitality, and we had the other people from Camel on the inside of the track because the other side pod was all Camel, so we had Camel on one side, and and, and I think the FIA had a bit of a crisis, didn't it? They, they, said, yeah, yeah, they, they, they yeah. said, in future, all cars must have the same sponsorship. They can't have. Yeah. But you had a reason for not doing that. Good financial reason. Wasn't that fantastic? That was good. So you're saying the scams we kind of got away with. Won't take, won't call it a scam. Was it a scam? And you also did the same thing at Brand Satch because there was a cubic car I was in, but on the side pods you had Silverstone circuits at Brand Satch. Yeah, I think you got free rent for the rest of the year from the the BRDC. Please move on. (laughs) Oh, that was racing for Britain, was it not? No, 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 no. You had you had your Silverstone circuits. Because you're racing a brand such. So you thought put Silvers on the side pods. Yeah. Mm. Okay, well, let's move on. Uh, there's probably too much that has gone on between the Donnellys, the Jordans. And, and at that time, we talked about the late 80s. They were just magic times. But I think most people want to hear about your Formula One. And I want to come back to just a little bit about, you mentioned one person that we all absolutely love, adore, and he has always been an idol. I'm his biggest fan ever, and that's Ayrton. So many listeners, they have their fans, and of course, it's it's Lewis, it's Max, and then going back further, and it's Michael, and then. But Ayrton of our age group is the one Era. that comes, and you know, I was fortunate in 1982. I gave him his first ever drive in Formula Three uh, because we did that sort of thing. We liked young up and coming drivers and see how they don't last very long; they just vanish and, and leave me very quickly. So that happened. But then we went to Macau in '83 with Dickie Bennett's and um, Marty Brundle and uh, Roberto Guerrero, and he won there, and that was his last ever race. And he raced under De Silva then. I just don't know I whether people realise that. He was Ayrton Senna De Silva, so well, he dropped to De Silva. His, his mother's name was Senna. Yes, and he kept that. Uh, he was very close to his mother. and uh, But I think that was kind of spiritual as well. Uh, and then, of course, he went to Tolman. Um, but anyway, we don't want to talk too much about Ayrton other than the fact that we all absolutely agree as one that he was a very extraordinary, special person. And we were all so... Well, I would like to say for, for the audience, because I heard, uh, rented a house from, from Angie Furman. And when he came across from Brazil in 81, he was married to a nice young lady. Yeah. And in Brazil, they got a lot of house servants and stuff. And she didn't like the weather, didn't like the fact she had to wash her own clothes and cook her own food and hate the place. And I don't blame her. And um, by Ayrton, at the end of each race weekend, would, wouldn't get changed. He'd get in his overalls and drive straight back to Attleboro. Uh, and then we'd all meet up in a, a nice restaurant in the town square called the Doric. And it was great pleasure listening how he did his debrief, how he explained to Ralph and to, to the mechanics in the car how he wanted to develop the car going forward. And he had a memory incredulous I remember every lap every quarter and 
And that was part of my ed educational learning as well. So when I moved into, when I drove for Ralph in 84 and 85, and then moved on to work with your good friend, Glenn Waters, uh, in in the Senate uh, team with Damon, you know, those are all parts of your education. That was, I said, you education that you learn, you don't forget. So you carry forward. When I got to Jordan and made them quicker and better and got them squared up a bit better. And <laughs> We've been around that. We don't need to keep continuing no, coming no, back no. to that. I just remind you just how good I was. So, all right? um, Formula One, David, uh, more questions for, for Marty, please. Well, I, I'd be curious to to see how, um, how Martin sees modern Formula One, knowing that the time that he, he came through and then dealing with the accident. And, you know, I, I, I listened to the, the time you spent with Ayrton. You know, I only spent a very short period of my test driving career with Ayrton uh, at Williams prior to, to, you know, the fatal weekend of, of Imola. So I, so I didn't, you know, I found him remarkable in comparison to how Alan worked or how Nigel Mansell worked, which was the other two drivers that I'd tested for. Um, so I can relate to, to some elements of what you said there. But if we move it to, to the sort of drivers that we have today and the way Formula One is today, what's your feelings? Do you, do you look at it with the same enthusiasm um, as you had as a young guy back in Ireland and, and tune into all the Grand Prix? Or are you kind of over it in some respects? Because, you know, I, I'm still active at the Grand Prix and I get a little bit frustrated with sometimes, you know, modern health and safety ensuring, you know, I, I still, I guess, have one foot in the, the old school gladiatorial element of let's go racing and, and, and show just how brave these guys are. Where, where do you see it? Because you, you've lived through a much more traumatic uh, racing career than, than I ever endured. I would say uh, for motorsport, it's a technology, it's a science. And Technology is always moving forward. Look at our modern day phones and our laptops and our computers. Compare those to what they were five years ago. And compare F1 cars to what they were five years ago. And not necessarily, it's always a good thing. Back in our day, David, we had no power steering. We had no ABS. We had no uh, traction control. We had no uh, paddle shifts. It was like, you know, you had to build your shoulders up, build your arms, your forearms up because... We converted the tunnel set in Monaco at 185 miles an hour over that ridge. She had about 80 metres to go from sixth gear to second gear. And you couldn't go six, five, four, three. You hadn't got enough time. It was six, hopefully you grabbed the fourth and not the second, turning the skin left and right, and back out again. And physically, you know, after the race, you knew you'd done a race, okay? Well, your neck was falling off. Not so much because the G Force of Monaco weren't that high. You go to other circuits like back then from my day, Estrel and with the high G's. Uh, but I had a great guy called Tom Ryan, who's fortunately he's no longer with us. I fly back to Heathrow, Regan say, be in my house in two hours' time, and he was there and giving me a full body massage to keep the swelling down out of the body. But as I said, F1 has, has developed. It's a safer formula, that's for sure. I think, personally speaking, if I had any influence at all, I'd say let's get more cars in the grid. Because there's so many top quality reserve drivers in F1 teams now that can't get in because the end is full. Back in my day, I think we had guaranteed 26 cars in the grid and 14 cars, 80 cars pre-qualified on the Friday. And those four fast and pre-qualifying got into F1, into the back of the grid. They haven't got these. So the guys in the grandstands who pay the money, the only reason we now got... Uh, Q1, Q2, Q3 is to get the cars in the grid because you had seven pros we set for the last five minutes and go out and do one lap. And those guys are baking in the sunshine all day 
and we, that's where we have to do it. So we have to make it a showtime, a bit like the Liberty makes it, makes it now through trying to survive. Marty, I agree. Look, for the, the, the first three or four years of my formula, um, our first ever race was in Phoenix, and uh, there was 39 cars. Mm. 20 got through, and there was four places left. And I'm telling you, that concentrated the mind because the last thing you wanted to do was to be going home on the Friday it's night. Home, I mean, and, and thankfully, I touch what was one of the best things ever happened to me because it learned and focused the mind to be quick from A1. As soon as it goes out of the thing, you've got to go like flat out. You brought something up that I think is, I'm not sure David went through that pre-qualifying. He was always in a top car anyway, so he wouldn't have had to do that. But Yeah, I didn't do it. This is good looks. You know, the great thing about him, we have had him on the show and he was amazing. Your old mate Bertram Gasho. Oh, yeah. He never missed a pre-qualifying. He qualified every single time. He was a great qualifier. He was absolutely rock solid. So that little car of ours, the 91, even though we were on the Goodyear tires, which were never as good as the Pirellis at the time, because they were always a bit uh, quicker in that in the early, yeah, in, yeah, in the cold. Yeah, good qualifying tire. Yeah, they were a great qualifying tire. Well, thank you for listening to Formula for Success with our amazing guest, Martin Donnelly. This is the end of part one, but he'll be back again next week. In part two, the Northern Irishman opens up about surviving the horrific crash at the Spanish Grand Prix in Jerez, and it'll be released November 23rd. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.